Hi, we're here from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about how social structures can shape how we think and behave with a special guest, Stanford economist Matthew O. Jackson. You'll also learn about a simple technique that will instantly make you a better listener. Let's satisfy some curiosity. So it turns out that social structures can not only shape the way we think and behave, it can also inform our very outlook on life. At least that's according to our guest today, Matthew O. Jackson. He's a professor of economics at Stanford University and the author of a new book called The Human Network, How Your Social Position Determines Your Power, Beliefs, and Behaviors. In the book, he explains how social structures, our human networks, shape how we think and behave. Here's what he told me when I asked, how can social structures hold back something as powerful as the human mind? Yeah, I mean, uh, there's one example I I talk through in the book, which is I, I find always amazing. There was a study in 1907 by a guy named Sir Francis Galton. And what he did is he looked at uh, a fair where people put in guesses on the weight of an ox. So there was an ox there, and this was in England. The ox weighed 1,198 pounds. And he looked through 787 guesses. So, you know, a wide range of guesses. And people were all over the map in terms of the guesses. But the average guess was 1,197 pounds. So it was just one pound off of the actual, you know, and it, it, so it's somehow if you put all the people together, they're really wise. You know, people, all, all our information when it's aggregated can be really, really good. But the question is how you get that information. And, you know, we're so one thing is we're we're in our own bubbles in terms of the homophily. We're, we're segregated from other people. So a lot of the information we're getting are from people who think just like us, which biases us. And then uh, another feature is it's really easy for us to do double counting when we're in a network. Uh, so, for instance, you know, think about yeah, uh, some, a new movie comes out and a bunch of my friends tell me that they've heard it's a great movie. So the more people I hear that from, the more likely I am to think it's a great movie. But it could be that they all heard the same review or, or read the same review. So it could be that it's just one piece of information, but it's echoing through the through the network. And there's a lot of examples where one piece of news gets rebroadcast and rechanneled to a bunch of different sources. And, you know, as humans, we're, we're influenced by the more, you know, counting, simple counting. The more we hear things, the more we we believe it. And that means that, you know, if we're in segregated groups and we're susceptible to this sort of double counting it can be very difficult for us to get information and to really understand it and assess it. So it's it's a tricky business. Isn't that how the whole anti-vaxxer movement started? There was one study that came yeah. out and it got widely reported on and then it just cascaded from there? Exactly. That's, a, that's an amazing example because the first study that was done was done on 12 children that were hand-selected by somebody who turns out was being paid by somebody suing a vaccine company. It was a fraudulent study. He lost his license to be a doctor. The study was later retracted, but it was reported everywhere. So people were hearing about it in all kinds of news sources, and it, and it keeps echoing now. You know, you can still find sites to that study. And, you know, there have been many, many studies with hundreds of thousands of people since then have never found any relationship. And But that, that one study, you know, still echoes in, in the network and very strong beliefs about that. 
Well, the word network keeps coming up. So the social networking and the way we're all more connected than ever these days, would you say that that's making all of this worse or better? Is it good or bad? Yeah, I think that, you know, the great news is that it's connecting the world in ways we've never been connected before. So, you know, uh, somebody who's poor in rural India can be taking an online course in machine learning. Yeah, so there's just amazing things that are happening. But at the same time, it also means that we can also search for other people who have a, are exactly our same views, create these echo chambers where people share ideas and, and end up reflecting the same opinions and beliefs and and insulate themselves from the rest of the world. And so there are these two competing forces of, you know, becoming more connected overall, but then also becoming more cliquish and, and separated at the same time. And and we see that play out in terms of polarization and extreme views quite a bit. Again, that was Matthew O. Jackson, a professor of economics at Stanford University and the author of a new book called The Human Network, How Your Social Position Determines Your Power, Beliefs, and Behaviors. You can listen to our extended uncut conversation for free on our Patreon page, and you can find a link to that, the book, and more in today's show notes. And hey, before we get to our next story, we want to ask you a really important question about our show. We've had a lot of guests on in the last week or two, and we want to know how you feel about that. So please tell us. We just posted a poll on our Patreon page. Just visit patreon.com slash curiosity.com, all spelled out, and click on posts, and you can take the poll. Do you want us to have more guests? Fewer guests? This is really important for us to understand so we can give you what you want. We wouldn't have this podcast without curious listeners like you, and so Curiosity Daily is just as much yours as it is ours. You can also email us your feedback, but the poll would be hugely helpful. Thank you in advance. Today's episode is sponsored by First Alert. There are three things every homeowner wants their home to be. Smarter, safer, and more fun. What if I told you one link by First Alert can cover the whole trio? First, meet your family's new best friend, the One Link Safe and Sound. It's a hardwired smart smoke and carbon monoxide alarm with a premium home speaker. And it's Alexa enabled, all in one sleek device. It's built with First Alert safety technology and provides an immersive, great sound experience. The Safe and Sound elevates any home, but it gets even better than that. One Link by First Alert also offers the One Link smart smoke and carbon monoxide alarm that works with the One Link Safe and Sound. The device is easy to install and protects against both smoke and carbon monoxide. If smoke or CO is detected in the home, the smart alarm will notify you using exclusive voice and location technology and send a notification to your smartphone, whether you're at home or away. A smart home should start with smart protection, and OneLink by First Alert welcomes you to a smarter, safer home. For more information, visit onelink.firstalert.com. One more time, that's onelink.firstalert.com. You can be a better listener with one simple research-based trick. We're talking about listening as in conversational listening, not how you can be a better podcast listener. Right, because you're a wonderful podcast listener. This comes from psychologist Kenneth E. Miller. And when I say it's simple, I mean it's really simple. Just take a breath. That's it. Here's how Miller put it, writing for Psychology Today. Quote, before you respond in a conversation, take a breath. Not an enormous, loud, obvious breath that screams out, I am trying a new technique for better listening. No, just a normal, simple, ordinary breath. That's it. The whole technique right there, unquote. Miller says that when he uses this technique in his therapy practice, the majority of patients actually use this moment of pause to dig deeper into their thoughts and then continue talking. 
He's noticed positive effects in everyday conversations, too, because it makes him interrupt people less often, which makes people seem more relaxed during a conversation. And he's not the only one doing this. On New York Magazine's blog, The Cut, Katie Heaney has a similar story. She wrote, quote, A friend of a friend who currently lives in France often pauses a lot before she replies, mainly because her French is only moderately proficient. As a result, all her French friends tell her she's an amazing listener, which is not something she hears much in English, unquote. You don't have to be barely fluent in a language to be a great listener. All you need is this simple technique and to have enough fortitude to manage the small anxiety a quiet second or two in the middle of a conversation can cause one or both parties. Go ahead, give it a try and see how it works out for you. Read about today's stories and more on Curiosity.com. Join us again tomorrow for the award-winning Curiosity Daily and learn something new in just a few minutes. I'm Ashley Hamer. And I'm Cody Goff. Stay curious. On the Westwood One Podcast Network.